Thanks, Alessandra. Good morning, everyone. My name's Trevor. Emily talked about last week something that really struck with me. She talked about the joy of giving. I'm like, what is that? Like, have you ever been joyful if you give some of your time or your money or your energy to someone and you're like, oh, that also kind of filled me up? That's a tough thing to do. And yet every week someone will come up here and we'll ask you to, to joy, to bring some joy to your giving, and we ask you to donate to Friends Church. Maybe use that as a filter. I, I'd never thought of it before, so it's interesting. I've been asking for your money for a long time, and I'd never thought that this should be a joyful experience for all of us. I think it can be. So maybe consider in your own lives, like what would be the things that would make this a joyful experience? What else do you need out of maybe friends, and what are you getting out of friends, and why would you want to give back? I think it's a much better, much healthier place to sort of go from than maybe just the give money out of guilt, although you could do that too if you want to. I'm not saying what your motivation has to be, but it is intriguing, right? The joy of giving. So that's what I'm asking you today. If you can find it in your heart, if there's some place, the joy of giving, we appreciate it and we strive to be excellent stewards of your money. Thank you, guys. So this week, uh, as a school counselor for high school kids, uh, there have been a lot of kids in my office with heavy hearts, as I'm sure so many of us here today feel as well. Um, and, and these kids with so many questions, like, I feel so sad. I feel so badly for what's happening uh, in the Ukraine, and I don't know what to do with these feelings. Um, they feel angry, they're confused, and uh, this is like a new experience for them in their, you know, 14, 15, 16-year-old lives. Uh, and I always say to them, like, part of it is what they're doing right now. You're naming it, you're calling it out, and you're saying that you're mad, and you're saying that you're sad, and you're not denying what's happening, and you're aware. And uh, so, you know, one of the first songs I've picked here speaks to that, speaks to that anger and that acknowledgement. And uh, I think like, the next step is... Uh, is kind of putting that kindness back into the universe to help try and balance something out. And so I encourage them um, to do that. And I think that's the second song speaks to that, to the, to the kindness piece. And um, something I know in my life when things are heavy and sad and uh, when things like this are happening, I turn to a more traditional model of God in my life. Um, and, and I think about getting on my knees in prayer. And I think about um, praying that there is something um, beyond me um, and the divine uh, that will carry us and hold us in times like these. And uh, the second song also speaks to that. So I don't know if you're like me and you, you t- t- also turn to something uh, more traditional model of God in times like these or what that is. Um, I op- invite you to think about it and be open to it because it can be a real source of strength. Um, these days. Yeah, I think we all have a heavy heart through that. If you want to be a part of um, trying to make the world a bit better through the Ukraine, we started a Ukraine mission fund. So basically, we're going to find a way to help get your money into the hands of people who need it as quickly as possible. As soon as I saw the war break out, me and my wife said, we, we need to do something. And she was like, well, what should we do? And I was like, okay, let me research it. That was a few days ago. So if you're anything like me and you need a little bit of something, an easy way to do this, just go to friendchurch.ca slash donate. Look at the fund that says Ukraine mission. We get, we'll get your money into the ground as soon as possible and make the world a better place. I don't think it'll change everything, but it will do a huge amount.
So thank you. Before I go, I just want to invite you next week. This is the last week of the series. This series on the I, we, them. I don't know about you, but this one's, yeah, this one's changed a lot in my life. So I hope you're enjoying it. But next week, we're starting to talk about the question of what do I do if through all this stuff I realize I need to make some changes in my life? I had a friend, we were out running, and she says to me, she's like, uh, Vince, I, I have something to tell you. I said, oh, what's that? I, I, I have a problem. I was like, oh, my. She's like, yeah, after a bad day, I go to the corner store and I buy a bag of candy and I eat it all. <laughs> She's like, I can't stop. <laughs> you know, you have the one and then it's like two and then pretty soon the whole bag is inside your belly and you're like, what did I just do? I was like, oh man, I've been, I've, been, I've been researching and doing this work around this idea of motivation. How do we motivate ourselves? She's like, I'm powerless. I can't, I can't stop. What we're learning is actually willpower is not the way you change a lot of these things. There's a different way. So I said, as we were running, I said, so, okay, let me, she's like, I can't stop. I said, I'll bet you I can help you stop. She's like, okay, what do you got? It's like, okay, here's the deal. Next time you eat a bag of candy, you have to donate $100 to the Flat Earth Society. I'm not a big fan of the Flat Earth Society, so if you are, no disrespect, but I can't stand it. The anti-science part of it just drives me freaking bananas. I would walk across hot coals for days to not have to fund that thing. So the next time the person's like, I'm going to eat a bag of candy. I have to donate $50 to the thing that I don't want to do. She's like, done. No more candy. I am done. It's not willpower, is it? As we've looked into this, we realize more and more, it's not just, you know, kind of grit that does these things. There's ways to motivate ourselves. There's ways to set up our lives so that it's easier to change the things we don't want to do and add the things we do want to do. This is already starting to revolutionize how I live my life. So if you're perfect, you get to take the next week off. You don't have to come in because you have to change nothing. You're lovely. But if you're like me, starting next week, we're going to learn how to grow. I invite you to come and join us. Jeff, take it away. I don't know about you, but as I listen to the music play this morning, ah, that song, Zombie, that got me. The emotions that we're feeling in this time, we've moved from full-on COVID headlines into war, and I'm just feeling all kinds of things right now. I'm excited about things changing with COVID, the fact that I can see your faces and tell whether you're angry or laughing with me, but I am just... Oh, gutted right now. Yeah. Anyways, let's just take a breath and reset. I want to begin this morning with a little story. And I don't even, I don't know if this story actually happened. But I know it's true. Perhaps you'll know what I mean. David rushes out of the office. He's in a panic to get home to take his teenage kid to soccer practice. He's running late. He gets into the parking lot, gets into his car, and starts texting frantically to his son, saying, I'm going to be there in 15 minutes. Be ready. 
Adam, be ready. When David arrives, his son isn't coming out the door. He can't see his son. He gently lays on the horn just a bit, just to say, I'm sure he's just at the door, but he doesn't show up. And now he knows he's probably going to be about eight minutes late. David hates being late. He thinks, okay, I'm going to give him 30 seconds. And those 30 seconds feel like five minutes inside him. Finally, he goes, gets out of the car and goes running up. His heart is racing now. Blood is boiling a bit. He steps inside the door and says, Adam, let's go. We're late. Adam's still up in his bedroom. He says, Dad, I don't want to go. Like, why do you keep forcing me to go? Now, what was a little fire burning internally is gone into inferno. David yells back, we've talked about this. We're late. Get down here. Meanwhile, Chris, David's wife, comes upstairs, hears everything. She looks at David, why are you screaming? I'm not screaming. I'm not screaming. We're in a hurry. He says, it doesn't sound like he wants to go to soccer. David says, Chris, don't do this. We've talked about this. We had an agreement. He needs his exercise. He needs to be involved in team sports. He can't just keep doing everything he's doing. Like, he's inside. He's not doing anything. Don't do this. Adam comes out of his bedroom. His body's listless. You can tell he's upset. Chris feels for him. She starts going to him to give him a hug. And David says, don't baby him. He's a big kid. We got to go. We're late. Adam just basically hightails it out of the house, slamming the door behind him. Chris is sitting there looking at David, disgusted, shaking her head. He's going, what? Why am I the bad guy? I'm kind of just coming running from work. I could have been working for it. Why, do you do, why are you angry? What did I do? What did I do wrong? I don't want to talk about this. I don't know if this story actually happened, but I'm betting millions of stories like it have. Huh? I mean, let's be honest, they happen so easily, so unintentionally. I mean, have you had these moments when you're just trying to help? You're trying to do the thing that just seems obviously right to you. You, you lock onto the solution, it's right there, and you act. You take charge. You, you do something, you say something that you think is going to help. You're like David, you're going, mission, get the kid to soccer practice on time, following the mission. Maybe someone asks for your opinion, and you just, you just say, oh, you want to know what I'm thinking? Here's what I'm thinking. And you just tell them straight up. You don't candy coat things, you just say it the way it is in your mind. 
Maybe you see a situation developing that could be problematic. You, you just Things are unorganized. You can't help it. Instinctively, you just jump in and start taking charge. Hey, no, 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 don't do that. That's, no, that's terrible. Start doing this. You, over here, do this. Whatever, you just start organizing, planning. Maybe there's a couple orders you give. Quick, you, over here, get off that. What are you doing? Turn off that TV, come on. All of a sudden, though, in the middle of executing your well-intentioned efforts, things, <laughs> things go south. Someone's feelings got hurt. Somehow your well-intentioned efforts trigger some kind of negative reaction. And maybe in the moment you don't even see it. You just notice people are acting weird now. They stop talking to you. What the heck? You're left going, what just happened? Why are you all upset now? Why are you crying? Don't cry. Stop crying right now. The good thing that you thought you were doing has now gone sour in the life, the joy, the smiles, maybe just the enthusiasm, the motivation is drained out of the people around you, someone. People begin turning emotionally away from you. For those of us who can recognize or identify these kinds of little patterns in our lives, it can be really conflicting, especially when we're taking our spiritual journey seriously. We hear the words of Jesus saying, you are the salt of the earth. You're the one that is, 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 is to go into these rooms and, and light them up. You're the flavor. You're enhancing the lives of others. That's what this thing is about, enhancing the lives of people around us. I mean, it's Paul who said, man, you can do all these amazing things in your life. Even incredible spiritual things. But if the people in your life don't, or they don't, they, they feel like they can't feel love from you, then really what you're doing is a bit of a charade. The spiritual journey thing is a bit of a joke. We read those things, and then we think about these situations in our, in our lives, and we're going, ah, Which is why throughout this entire series, this transcendent series, we've been talking about the spiritual journey and moving toward these magical we moments. When the way that we live, the way that we interact with others, not just honors ourselves, but honors the other person. Or it doesn't just honor the other person, it honors ourselves too. And we experience these, the we, the salt of the earth, the light of the world type of interactions that just pop with flavor and impact been talking about from a high level and now over this last little while we've been talking about these practical ways how do we get to that we how do we see this happen in our everyday lives versus these moments like David experienced in his living room last week we got really practical with those people that have a what we call the them awareness just more them awareness than say others in case you missed it, these people have a superpower, and there'll be many of you. You're just, 
you tend to just be more aware of others than other people are. You're intuitive, you're empathic, you feel what other people are feeling. You can watch a look on their face and go, ah, ah, something's off here. You pick up things and you invest your life in those people around you. You just do this instinctually. You don't even have to think about it. And if, if you're in a relationship with these them people, it's an amazing thing when you're on the receiving end of that because they care about you so deeply. They'll drop whatever they're doing to help. Which is why the struggle for them people tends to be that they don't pay enough attention to their own needs. They haven't thought deeply about who they are and what they need, what their boundaries should be, what their convictions are, what they think about things, what they need from others in their lives. And not, not only not knowing, they don't often ask very easily. That's hard for them. They're just hoping people would figure it out and do it for them. So we said next week, or we said last week, we said, here's your assignment, them people. You need to figure out who your eye is. You've got to develop your eye. Develop your convictions and your, your boundaries. A sense of who you are and what you need. That's what you need to figure out. And then you need to begin to advocate better for yourself. That was the assignment. That was they, them, people who are aware of the people in their lives this week. We said we're going to come back and talk to those people who are more eye-aware. Eye awareness is a, another superpower. And that's probably another half of you in this room here. People with this superpower tend to have a very developed sense of who they are and what they want. They have a good sense of how, they, of how things should work in their world. I people tend to be very clear on their own personal values and priorities. They just, they're, they're thinking deeply about these things more so than they people. And they're able to articulate. They're able to ask. They're able to, to discuss it and, and formulate their opinions and package them and send them out into the world easily. They have less of a problem asking. They have no problem asking. They can tell you, <laughs> hey, this is what you're doing for me today. It comes easily. They can look at situations that are going on around them and with incredible precision, they can, they can diagnose what's going on, which, what, what the problem is. They can formulate solutions. They're very, they can be very solution-focused. It's like, I know what to do here. Let's do this, which makes them very comfortable with calling the shots. They like control. That they like control over their ideas. They get these ideas of what they want, and then, and then they, they can act on them very easily, which makes them very good leaders often, very good organizers, planners. They love to take charge and call the shots. How many can just relate to these kinds of strengths, these superpowers? Come on, don't be, don't be humble. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. How many know, though, these superpowers? They come with weaknesses. Just like the they people, they have these superpowers, they also come with weaknesses, too. For these I people, you begin to apply a little pressure, a little stress. And these I-aware people can often be accused of being very, like, controlling. 
if someone starts to threaten their idea, say, ah, no, we're not doing that, it can create a reaction inside of them. No, we're not going to do it that way. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean we're not doing it that way? You can get attached to certain things. They can be rigid, sometimes close-minded. I suppose in extreme places, sometimes they can be manipulative to get control or get their way. Sometimes, in some situations, they can be considered critical. They can look at the way things are being done and they go, oh, judgmental even. No, that's wrong. Why would they do it that way? That's brutal. They can be so focused on, in having things done a very particular way that without meaning to, unintentionally, they can be a bit of a bull in a china shop. People's feelings. They're not meaning to. They're just focused. <laughs> they want something. They see something inside them and they're going, yeah, we're going to get that. We're going to achieve that. We're going to do it this way. So they end up bruising people around them. Now we can, we can, let's be honest, we can all engage in these kind of behaviors. You can be a high them-oriented person and still do this in certain environments. We're not saying only certain people do this. There are just some that just naturally and in, in instinctively do this. They don't have to think about it. This is just part of who their makeup is. If you've studied much personality testing, all the different profiling tools out there, they all have their names, their numbers, their letters, their colors that would describe people that fall naturally into these categories, this category of, of them orientation, or sorry, I orientation. If this is you, though, if you can relate to some of David's tendencies, I want to offer up some practical suggestions this morning. Just suggestions. You can take them or leave them. Because you I people don't like being told what to do. I get that. So I'm going to just suggest some things really lightly. And you decide whether they might be appropriate. These are behaviors that could help take your amazing I superpower and pull it closer to the they people in your life to create some win-wins and lead to we. First thing I would coach David on, and I feel very hypocritical and even thinking I'd be offering advice. Because in this area, man, this is an absolute kryptonite for me. But I would look at David and I'd say, David, the tone you entered that home with set you back already. Your chances of something good working out, something happening in a positive way, set you back about 60 to 70% right out of the hopper. As soon as you elevated that voice, as soon as you sounded angry, all of a sudden, everyone in that house went on high alert. How many know this to be true? Oh, and how many times do I do this? How many times have I tried to explain to Kathy, I am not screaming, I'm speaking a little louder. I'm trying to, she's like, that is not helping. The tone, and this is what you'll notice in often really strong them people, is they will carefully weigh their approach 
as they come into a situation with someone. The really skilled ninjas, they're listening to just what's going on in the environment. It's dead quiet in here. We don't need decibels. We need drop down. They can look at people. They can tell by the countenance that's going on. They'll mirror if the person is kind of whispering at the same time. They'll come in whispering. Tone is crazy. It's like oftentimes I people can be so focused on the task at hand or something that's going on in their head that they come in like a plane at a descent of about 50 degrees. <laughs> They're coming into that runway like this. And when they touch down, it's just jarring. First thing in the morning, hey, did you uh, bring your dirty clothes down? Oh, good morning, mom. Oh, yeah. Anyways. Uh, hey, wh- where's that file? Oh, Jerry, how was your weekend? Nice to see you, too. I'm fine, thanks. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Anyways, the file. Boom! Uh, they, these really skilled eyes, they flatten out their trajectory. They come in matching their tones. Really great at that. Another way to soften your approach is this. This, this is a real amazing invention. It's just a smile. It's just like people that are so focused, these IP often, their head is there. It's so funny. And I, Vince, I'm sorry. I didn't ask for your permission to ask to say this, but <laughs> he's going, don't. You're not allowed. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> one time, years ago, Vince would come into the office, and he had this, this face of war on. And I, I hear him come in the door in the morning, and I look at him, and I go, oh, what's the matter? <laughs> Nothing. I'd just be like, oh, okay. Good morning. So, and he would say, I, I don't know why people are so uneasy around me. I said, ha, 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 ha. And so he, it was amazing how all of a sudden he started doing the math. And I would watch him. Him and I were comfortable with each other, but someone comes in, and all of a sudden, he's like, oh, smile. (laughs) (laughs) And his tone would change. I'd be like, holy shit, that's amazing what you just do right there. It's just calculation, calculation, smile, smile, hi, hi. And and his tone would change. He'd be talking to me one way, and all of a sudden, syllable, decibels, like the, the tone would go up. I'd be like, that's crazy how you just do that. He said, you, you guys do this, but I just gotta, train myself to do this. This is all about approach. All about approach. Sometimes, along with the smile, the tone, you could, might even just, rather than going straight to business, you might just check in. Hey, how's Susan's job going? She got a new job last week, didn't she? Now, this feels so counterintuitive to most I people because they're like going, I don't want to waste time doing that. I got, I got things to do. If I ask a crazy question like that, that could be three minutes I'm sitting there waiting for that person to finish that sentence. I don't know where they'll take that. So you get skilled at maybe asking a question that's just, it's, it's, it's not wide open, 
but it's maybe a one-minuter or a 30-seconder. Hey, you doing good? (laughs) You're not really asking, but just the sentiment can mean a lot. Hey, I love your glasses. Oh, thank you. What is it saying? I notice you. You're a real person right there. You're not my pawn to get the thing I need done done. Hey, how are you doing? You're looking great today. Well, thanks, man. Hey, I was wondering about the file. Oh, yeah, it's right over here. Ninjas know if they can soften that, that trajectory, flatten it out as they come in, soften their approach, the receptivity of the person who's hearing them, who's going about to respond, goes up infinitely high. Now you're not working against the grain with defensiveness right out of the chute. Another thing you may want to consider, again, just a suggestion, is to cultivate your curiosity about the people that you're interacting with. Curiosity is a weird thing. For some, hey, there's some I people that are curious. But in the context of how it'll often serve their needs or whatever, just being able to open up with, you know, we can ask those 30-second questions, but every now and then learning how to, and, and this curiosity piece is more, it's about, it's about challenging assumptions. The thing about eye-focused people is they tend to really have developed a lot of conclusions. They've thought about scenarios long before they come into them. They have their ideas. They've, they've built assumptions on what is exactly going on. So they'll often enter these interactions using these assumptions. The problem is that sometimes the assumptions aren't faulty. And so they can get into these situations. Maybe they start talking, but all of a sudden the person on the other end is going, no, 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 you don't understand. No, you don't understand. How many I people in the room know what that feels like when the person's looking at you, shaking their head, going, you've missed it. You've missed it. No, no, no. And it's like, it doesn't matter now what all you're saying. You're trying to solve the problem, and they're going, no, 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 no. They've tuned out. To you, the solution seems so obvious. Based on the assumptions you have, you can just jump right there. You can cut them off mid-sentence, can't we? We can stop and go, hey, 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 I know what you should do. And they're going, I haven't even told you what's going on. Sometimes, as I people, the patience part, getting to the story or opening them up, allowing them to share their perspectives, to share what actually is bothering them. It takes time. And that time is too precious, so we stop there. The curiosity goes away. We use our assumptions and we go, okay, hey, 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 let me just cut to the quick. I think what you're wanting to know is if we could stop short of that and if we could almost count in our head or maybe say, your reaction seems different than what I was expecting. Something's changed, Adam. Because the other day, you agreed we were doing soccer. Is there something I missed? 
listening can be difficult. Opening up that person and just going, okay, hey, what has changed? Are you okay? Learning to ask questions that, that open-ended, that allows new information to hit the table, that might challenge the assumptions you're operating on. Oh, man, that can be gold. This isn't instinctual. In that moment, you're probably wanting to just fix, avert, organize, bark, move, get things going now. But that only gets you to I. That works for you. That's the win for you. Getting to we somehow involves a win, not just for David. And David's win is, we're going to be less than eight minutes late. You're going to be there, and I can check this off the list. The we probably looks like him being able to get Adam to soccer practice with a smile on his face and actually wanting to be there. Maybe. Maybe that's the we. We don't know. But being able to go, okay, what's changed? Let's, 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 let's back up here. What these questions and this can do is amazing. Now, here's something that goes with those questions is the holding space. This is something that's being thrown around a lot nowadays in certain circles. Holding space for people. The patience to be able to create room for for these often they people who don't really know what it is they're feeling. Adam's sitting in his room just going, I just don't want to go to soccer. But you don't know, really. He doesn't even know how to articulate what's maybe going on. So for David to sit there and go, okay, well, just what's matter? Sometimes coming out of David's or out of Adam's mouth, he doesn't even know. His son doesn't even know. He's like, I just don't want to go. Well, that's not good enough for David. He's like, come on, man. We, I need a better reason than that. So this holding space piece comes into play. This is where we talked about it last week. They people don't know what often they need. They don't know how to articulate it. And so sometimes the time it takes for them to figure it out, that's where the superpower of the I person can be so effective. I've thought back to times, because Vince is a very high I, I'm a very high they person typically. There have been times when Vince has asked me a question on something. It might be a theological piece, it might be something issue in the world. He's going, what's your thoughts on that? I'm like, I don't even know what my thoughts are on that. Now, for him to hold space for me often has meant him asking question from a number of different angles. Do you, do you agree with this? I said, well, yeah, I, I think I agree and it's funny as he asked me that question and I'm just, as he's just sitting back listening, all of a sudden a story pops up in my head and I start telling the story. And as I'm talking it out, things are starting to line up. And I'm going, oh, just wait a second. No, I, yeah, for that very reason, I don't think I would agree with this. He's like, so then you don't agree with this either. Well, wait. 
I hadn't thought about that. And, and so through this gentle questioning, he allowed me to kind of brainstorm, verbally process. With it. This, is, this is the process of holding space, giving room. Now, sometimes it is that verbal interaction. It's the conversation. It's, it's the exploration where he's, his curiosity has opened up without agenda on the back end. And when I don't feel that he's leading me to a, to a conclusion that he wants me to go to, I begin talking out my feelings. And all of a sudden, new discovery happens. We come out the back end, I'm going, that's it, this is where I am on this. Now, sometimes it's not where he is. Sometimes he may not like that. He's like, wait, you know, whatever. But he's, that place of being able to hold space and allow this person to sort it out. Sometimes it is that conversation. Sometimes it's just giving them room. Just going, you know what? I think you need time. Why don't you take some time? I've often wondered what it would have looked like as I was thinking about the story of David if he had looked at Adam in that moment as Adam saying, I don't want to go. I don't know why you're forcing me to do this. And he would have said, okay, something's shifted here. I'm going to, I don't know if soccer is the right answer, but it seems like soccer isn't the right answer for tonight. Look at me. How about we just chill? We stay home. And maybe we can have some time to talk about this a little bit later. That, that work for you? Which brings me to the fourth point. And it's, this is around out, outcomes. As I people doing things a certain way or just doing it their way becomes really important. Because it, 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 they see it so clearly. Whatever that thing is. And so the outcomes become, they become easily very attached to those outcomes. So when someone starts threatening that outcome, when someone starts going, hey, wait a second, no way. We're not doing that. The sense of I, no, this is my idea, this is how we're doing, it become very territorial. But the we steps outside of that. It, it pries the fingers off of those outcomes that you had in mind. And you start being open to maybe a different look, a different way that maybe it could be done where maybe that other person, it includes part of what you're seeing, maybe. But it, 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 it offers maybe a new solution that would allow that person to go, okay, yeah, yeah, actually that works for me. Actually, yeah, I, 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 okay. And a little bit of compromise sometimes. Letting go of what you think would be perfect to let, you know, to, to kind of welcome, to embrace something that leaves that person on the other side kind of smiling or engaged or wanting this thing. This place of being able to kind of surrender, to, to warm up, soften, engage, 
ask questions, challenge assumptions. Give them room to figure out what their I actually is in that moment when they've never really had that opportunity. And then coming back to that place and going, okay, can we make a plan that honors both them and you? Oh. You want to talk about magic. You know, the beautiful thing about this, for those people that have often been hands up going, what the heck did I just do? What, why, why am I the best? To, to think that those moments start going away. And those people where normally they would have been, you know what, screw you. Fine, whatever, whatever, have it your way. And then you deal with the consequences for weeks after. The passive aggressive tones of people rolling their eyes at you and you're going, I don't, I'm just trying to help here. Can you imagine those moments becoming fewer and fewer? And instead, the interactions, being able to kind of smooth out where people are coming alongside you and actually feeling like you're on their team. You're not just a jerk. You're not just the insensitive one. You're not the bull in the china shop. Can you imagine? The, the end results often are not as clean and tidy and efficient and done exactly the way that you would have perhaps done them all the time if you had all your way. But the magic of the we, the salt that begins to form in these relationships, the light that begins to beam when that other person isn't sitting there resentful, going, fine, you win again. When instead they're going, thanks, Dad. Thanks, Mom. Appreciate that. Thanks for hearing me. Thanks for noticing. Thanks for giving me a shot. This goes for workers, parents, neighbors. The magic of we, yes, it costs something, but the benefits are massive. You get to those moments. Oh, that's what we want. That's what this, this whole thing is about. You know, over the last number of weeks, we've been just talking about what would it take the practical behaviors to get to we. Let's not let this be a charade. For those of you who are I people this week, would you consider some of the things I talked about this morning, softening your approach, being more curious, holding space. This is a challenge for all of us. We can all do more of this. Being willing to let go of your outcome to embrace a bigger outcome that includes theirs too. We're going to wrap up this series this morning with a song that Alessandra wrote specifically for this We series, this Transcendent series. And, uh, you know, it's been five weeks in. We've shared a lot of stuff just trying to give handles. When someone says, what is the spiritual journey to you guys? 
This whole of the diagram you've been looking at, that's it. Learning how to take your, your I and blend it with your they to lead to a beautiful we world. I pray as she plays this morning that you would think about some of the takeaways we've been talking about. That you would commit yourself. I'm not just talking about this week. I'm talking commit yourself to a lifetime of experiencing the we in your world. So beautiful. So beautiful. Hey, I, I, I think it would be fitting to thank Alessandra for writing that song, wouldn't it? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, have a great week, everyone. We'll see you uh, next week for the start of our uh, How to Change series, hey? And again, if you want to give to Ukraine, you can do that online. Go to friendschurch.ca forward slash donate. Have a great week. <laughs>